Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. But it's come to prominence in the last couple weeks or so. Yeah, somebody posted something in like the New Yorker or one of those places. It was, I, yeah. you know what, I was actually reading this to Sharon the other day and I took a survey to see how XNEL I am. Okay. It's the oh, stupidest name I've ever existed. heard of. Can you just find that on Google or something? Yeah. It, um, how XNEL are you? Uh, I, I'm apparently very XNEL, but oh, we kind of, as I was, because my brother was there with us and, and as I'm taking this survey, we're talking about it and. And as I've taken this survey, I'm like, you know what? I, apparently, the, and, and they didn't know what the, the name was, and I had forgotten it, and I looked it up, and I was like, oh, yeah, apparently we are the micro generation known as the Xennials. And his first response was also my first response. I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with that name as long as it comes with a mutant power. Well, sure. I, there it is. Because if it's going to be a I'm stupid okay a name like Xennial, right, then I'm going to need yeah. a mutant power to go along with that. And my my exactly. the funny thing before I started taking the survey and realizing how dumb this was was mm-hmm. um, I, I my interest in it was okay. So the span of time for this micro generation is the Star Wars trilogy, and I'm okay with okay, that. Yeah. Like it's from '77 to '83. Yeah, I'm like okay, I'm all right with that. But then I started to take the survey, and the survey just was kind of stupid. Okay. No. Well, right. I mean, it was an online survey, so I had to, I had to whack myself in the head with a hammer a few times to be able to, you know, fully comprehend what I was doing. I just think it's really funny that you were talking about it with Brian, because I don't know if I told either of you, but Will transferred from Libertyville to Vernon Hills. So now we work together every day. Okay. We were talking about this today at work. Mm Mm-hmm. This exennial bull. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just a weird word. It sounds so more contrived than, I don't know, than anything. I, I don't know. I know we, stri- we always strive to label the generations and we try to give them traits and I don't know. So when I heard it on the radio, or well, I say the radio, um, but um, when, I, uh, when, I, when I was listening to um, uh, a BBC news podcast, they were talking about it and they said, you know, and stay tuned to find out if you're an ex And then they came back and they were like, so if you still have a first generation iPod and have a Hotmail account or Hotmail address, you're an ex And I'm like, well, check, check, hats in. And see, that was the funny thing is because Sharon still has a Hotmail account. And okay. I, I actually thought of you when I was going through the survey and I just kind of looked at her before I, before I read that question out loud. And I said, okay. Well, obviously, here we go. And I looked at her and I said, do you still have a Hotmail account? And she's like, yeah, I know you're trying to get me to get rid of it, but yes, I do. And apparently my brother still has a Hotmail account, too. So, Yeah. My wife well, has one. Mm-hmm. She uses it for junk mail, but she still has it. Mm-hmm. Well, I still have it. It's um, like I said, I've got my Gmail account. My Hotmail is linked through it or whatever. 
but um but yeah yeah man so uh, i i don't mind i guess i don't mind being part of this little micro generation thing but the name is kind of dumb yeah if i don't get a superpower to go with it if i'm not an x-men character mm-hmm. to go with it then i no, i don't like it got the it only thing that makes me happy about this mm-hmm. is the people will stop trying to classify me as an early millennial i am not one of those yeah see and well. apparently <laughs> apparently who apparently depending on who you ask my sister <laughs> well yeah my sister is a millennial and depending on who you ask sharon is too Okay, so what is a millennial? Right. Because I thought that was someone born in the new millennium. Apparent, no, apparently it's 81. If only it were that simple. Yeah, um, apparently they end it around, and depending on which chart you look at, because I looked at this right, one point. because a little different. Right, because somebody at one point like referred to my age as millennial. I, oh, no, you didn't. Right, mm-hmm. me too. I'm February of 81. I am not a millennial. Go jump in a lake. Right. But... And, you know, and all these labels and everything else, like I'm, I'm saying all this, not to necessarily badmouth millennials, but oh, I will, you will. Okay. <laughs> you go ahead. Um, you know, cause nobody, I mean, you're categorizing an entire group of people and oh, sure. it's that no, never it's works no out well, but it's no different when you're categorizing Zodiac signs. And oh, right. React, and there's always people that are a little bit of both. Right. But there certainly is something about. The generation after us that drives me up a wall. Yeah, because they're because they're not us. Why don't they just call it the Spielberg generation? Why don't they just call us that? There's a name. Yeah. Can I? Can we? Can we be the Spielbergials? I don't mind. I don't mind the renaming or the relabeling of of um. You know, of the the groups. You know what I'm saying? As we go, because you know, it's it's almost like um. Uh, well, I think you guys, are, you know, that CNN is doing those specials on the decade, right? The 60s, the right. 70s. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was in one of those, or maybe it was something I was reading about that. They said, you know, it's hard. We love to categorize things all so nice, nice and neat, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. But in reality, it never really goes that by the date. You know, it never really oh, goes no. by that. Right. You really have to look back and say, well, this trend started in the 60s, but continued into the, you know, and so on and so forth. And so I can see that where... You know, they're trying to categorize our generation. And, you know, the time that we were all sitting there in high school, okay, maybe that wasn't the best to categorize our generation because so much was in flux. Well, now now we're approaching the, you know, the age of, you know, the demographic of we don't care about you anymore. So now you can look back and say, okay, now we're seeing some trends. And, yeah, there is this subgroup that fits in, you know, these years and all that. So I guess I don't mind the, the... you know, the, the different categories, categorizations, categories, categories, they apply to us. Um, but like you said, as long as they, you know, apply it, some word like Xenio, we just need power, a, 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 you know, a, a mutant power. Then I define it. That's fine. Exactly. Well, you know what? It's funny, Pat, you are dead on because one of my favorite conversations about music. Yeah. When it comes to decades. Music from 1990, like 1990 itself, yeah. is not 90s music. Right. Like, look some of that up. There's some good music there. And the 90s right. are kind of an ugly wasteland when it comes to certain kinds of music. Yeah. 
that's true, but yeah. you know what? And and but, I was usually I was one of the first people to kind of badmouth '90s music, but then I made the mistake of creating a '90s playlist on Spotify the other day. Oh, there's some great stuff, and there was some good stuff. Yeah, but but certain types of music just died in the '90s. Oh yeah, yeah. Bumba, bumba. There you go. Um, so this is the 30 something movie podcast. Welcome. Thank you for joining us this time around. We are going to be talking about La Bamba here in a few minutes. Um, we might have a couple of new movie news things real quick, and then, uh, we'll get on into La Bamba. This kind of starts our month. Originally, this was going to be our month of like music and artistic movies and things like that. Mm -hmm. But then we kind of realized that there's some other stuff we want to talk about. And there weren't a whole lot of like really great music and artistic movies necessarily, that would have interested enough people. So we kind of dropped a few of those. So we've got La Bamba, we've got Dirty Dancing, and then for the rest of the month, we are going to be throwing out our worst of 1987 episode. Uh, we're also going to try to work on, we got to figure out when we're going to do that, uh, to do a Star Trek The Next Generation episode where we just talk about the entire thing. So we may need to find a time that we can just sit down for three or four hours. So let me ask, Let me just before we go, should I start assembling top ten uh, favorite episodes? Should I be like, you know, I, who's I, my favorite character? What yeah. kinds of things do I need to have? Why don't we? I'll put together a Google Doc. Okay, and and we can start because I did. Most, which character did you most want to be? Worf. I'm sorry. Which what character did you most identify with? Because they're probably different. Riker. Yeah. Riker. Yeah. Was that I, identifying with, or um, who do you oh, want to no. be? No, I th I think the one that I well, let's see. And, That's a tough one. And I don't know how many of us watch them. I think I would most want to be Riker. Maybe yes. I maybe I most identify with. Hmm. Now some of this is That's from a tough one. the Next Generation. Yeah. Some of this is from the Next Generation podcast I listen to. But think about this. Think about who you identified with when you were watching these new. Well, right. And then think about who you might identify with now. Watching him new, I would have identified with Riker. Watching it now, Picard, totally. Sure, of course. Yeah. Really, you, you Riker, even then? I mean, we wanted. I wanted to be Riker, but I don't think I identified with Riker. Yeah, I don't know if I, ident if I identified with I probably, you know, I probably identified with somebody like Chief O'Brien, because you only see him every once in a while, and he's stuck in the transporter room. I was thinking like Jordy, because he was so awkward for mm -hmm. me anyway. Yeah. Or was young young Wesley Crusher the boy? Yeah. I didn't realize so many people hated him. Oh people god, there is Oh yeah. Wait a minute, like people like the guy is not a nice guy or is this like no, a no, 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 no. thing? No, like the Wesley like Crusher character. What? Yeah, they hated Wesley because he was such a sniveling little brat, which is true. Yeah, but all 13-year-olds are or 15-year-olds. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, but this is a but this was a thirteen year old on Star Trek, which unfortunately gets magnified. There's Will Wheaton hated the character of Wesley Crusher as he got older. I mean, there's oh, really? some of his podcast stuff is great about how he he went through a bout where he wanted nothing to do with Star Trek and nothing to do with that character. And really? he's come around yeah. since and he's realized that well, it's part of my career. This is not something I'm gonna ever hide from. Mm -hmm. And he shouldn't. But mm. there was definitely a time he loves talking about how he hated those sweaters. <laughs> oh, really? And they were pretty bad. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we probably need to put together, because I started to put together a list. I think it's just on paper now, but I'll put up a Google Doc for our 150th show 
on the movie mm-hmm. music. So okay. I'll, I'll put together a Google Doc yeah, on that. We, gotta, we can do that. Uh, one yeah, then. we got the worst of. We got the movie music show. Mm-hmm. We got the next gen show. We got big ones coming. Which I got to say, I'm having a hard time because I'm not. I'll pull back the curtain here a little bit. I, I try to find most of these movies at the library because I'm not willing to and don't have the budget to pay for finding all these sure. movies. Um, really hard time finding these worst of movies. Yeah. I, I was able to find, I got interlibrary loan. I got jaws. The revenge came in the, today at the library. Yeah. So, um, but other than that, I, I found a website, I found a website and it, this one's in English. It's not a Korean one. Um, but I did find a website where I can watch the entirety of Leonard part six. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if nice is the right word, but, Oh, um, no. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I am, I'm having a really hard time finding. The only place I can find Ishtar is on iTunes, <laughs> and I'm not paying the $14.99 to purchase Ishtar to be able to watch it for the podcast. So No, no that's, that seems wrong. We'll see how that goes. And I guess there's a canon film uh, called Tough Guys Don't Dance and a Madonna movie mm-hmm. called Who's That Girl? So apparently somehow I'm going to have to track these down. If anybody listening happens to know a good place to find these where I don't have to necessarily spend money uh, to find them, whether it's like at a local library or something like that, then um, I'm all for it. But uh, yeah, these have been a little tough to find. But we're going to do it. We'll, we'll make it happen. Got it. All right. Well, should we jump on into some new movie news stuff? And then uh, I don't really have a whole lot with new movie news. Um, no, Spider-Man. Woo-hoo. You mentioned Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm going to go see Spider-Man with the kids tomorrow. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, I did hear, and that's one of the reasons that we're taking all the kids, we're taking everybody, Nora and John Ezra, um, was that I heard from several people that this is probably the most kid-friendly Spider-Man so far. Yeah, you know, I didn't... I didn't flinch on anything mm-hmm. where I was like, ooh, and there were kids in the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm the first guy to admit I'm the guy without kids, so chances are I'm not going to catch everything that a parent would. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, they've seen, we just recently watched um, uh, Age of Ultron. So they've seen that one. Um, even Nora watched it. And we just the other day, um, when everybody was over, we watched, um, Independence Day. Ah, yes. So I figure if the kids have seen Independence Day and the kids have seen the Avengers movies, we're fine for Spider-Man Homecoming. Independence Day. I still, I know it's probably, I mean, it's certainly not the best film ever, but God, what a fun movie. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great. It was a lot of fun. And either it's been a really long time since I've seen it, or the DVD copy we had had some scenes added back in that were not in the original. That wouldn't surprise me. Because there were some scenes I don't remember seeing. So, well, that's for later. Never mind. Yeah. I have a comment about that, but that's for next week with Dirty Dancing. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, actually, uh, before we jump into our new, 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 cannot talk tonight. And I have not even had as many podcast juices as you had, Bo. Well, We'll see how that goes, won't we? I'm only, <laughs> only on my first right now. Um, now, I, on Twitter, uh, before we get to some of the new movie stuff, on Twitter, I had put up a poll on Twitter asking people, because we're tonight we're actually recording for both movies. We'll pull back the curtain a little bit there. Um, we are recording for both movies, La Bamba, and then right after this, we'll record for our Dirty Dancing show next week. But I did ask the people, I, I, I went out to the public, and I asked the people, which is the better movie? 
Is Dirty Dancing a better movie or is La Bamba a better, better movie? What do you oh, think? Which, which one do you think won? Well, I think Dirty Dancing. But... Okay. Pat, what do you think? <sighs> what do I think or what do I think? I well, think what, do you, what, do you think, what do you think won in the poll and what would you have voted for? Well, um, I think the poll, I'm guessing Dirty Dancing won because it's iconic. And like Tammy said before I came down here, she's like, is there a, is there a woman out there that does not like that movie? That was her take. Mm-hmm. Now, so I could see that winning in the poll. What movie is the better movie? I, I don't know. I'm going to play the apples and oranges card. Same card I play every week. So mm-hmm. I, I think I'll leave it at that. My wife loves Dirty Dancing, so I sort of agree with Tammy on that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, according to the poll, 43% voted Dirty Dancing and 57 voted La Bamba. Really? Yeah. So La Bamba, La Bamba wow. won out in the poll as to which one was a better movie. Okay. So. Wow. But yeah, so we'll, we'll get into the whole Dirty Dancing thing next week, but... Um, sure. All right, so real quick, before we get into La Bamba, is there anything else new movie news-wise? Um, I guess I would just say, and this is totally coming off trailers before Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Dark Tower looks interesting. Okay, I've been seeing more about that. Um, Jumanji is going to be funny because our guy's in it. You know? Yeah. The Rock's going to yeah. be good. The Rock and Jack Black, can it really be bad? Nope. Mm-hmm. And then there was a there's a quick uh, Justice League hit in front of Spider Man, which is it gets you kind of fired up. Oh, okay, different from the one that was in front of Wonder Woman. Oh, see now you're asking me. I was running late to Wonder Woman, oh, okay. so I'm not sure. I'm assuming because it was a quick hit. It wasn't. Okay. It was a quick thirty second guy, so I don't. Oh, think... okay. I, the Wonder Woman one, I think, was like a two minute deal. Oh no, this is well, maybe it was longer, and I just wasn't paying attention. But this seemed pretty quick. Okay. So it's nothing new then. Okay. Dressed um, like a bat. I dig it. Exactly. <laughs> right. The whole thing where he goes, you're the Batman. That was cool. Yeah. Um, What's your superpower? I'm rich. Yeah. That was good too. <laughs> Maybe that I would be, Hey, you know what? I would be fine. If that was my mutant power as an Xennial, I'd be fine. Totally. Mm-hmm. I'm rich. We could just like yeah, shoot nice. money out of your hands. There you go. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing, oh. knowing my luck, it's going to be like wheat pennies that shoot out of my hand. <laughs> hey, pennies. Yeah. Um, and there was a trailer for The New Kingsman also, which I thought was... Yeah, okay. I, I still have never seen the original, so... Oh, you got to see it. Okay. I loved it. I loved it. I think you will, too. Okay. All right. Well, I think if we don't have anything else, um, and we might be able to talk a little bit more about Spider-Man Homecoming... Uh, maybe next, maybe next week, everybody will have seen it by then, or most of us will have seen it by then. So, um, we can, uh, we can talk about that. That'll be on our, one of our next shows, maybe the worst of, or the, uh, Star Trek next generation show. Got it. All right. Well, let's go on ahead and jump on into La Bamba here. Um, oh, great movie. So the, okay, well that'll, that'll be interesting then. Cause the first thing Bo said when he jumped on here was, was it just me or was that not a good movie? Was that not a good movie? Yeah. Or was that not a good movie? Not a good movie. 
Oh, all right, cool. All right, so we're gonna have all right, knock down, drag out. I'm gonna, you know what? Here, let's do this. Well, oh, I just, I mean, you know, Bo? it's nice to like disagree on things. I know. So, Bo, for the purposes of this episode, I'm gonna call you Bob, and okay. Pat, I'm gonna call you Richie. Okay. And and those will be your names for this episode, and then you guys can fight <laughs> it out. Okay, that sounds good. All right. All right, so this one, this time around, we are talking about La Bamba. Oh, very, very quickly, because we didn't do this whole spiel. We spoil the movies. If you don't want to be spoiled, uh, where have you been in the last 30 years? So stop now, watch the movie, come back. There we go. All right, so this one, La Bamba, is the movie. It came out on July 24th, 1987, rated PG-13. It was one hour and 48 minutes. Director was Luis Valdez. He did Zoot Suit and the Cisco Kid TV movie. Producer on this one was Bill Borden, who did Desperado, Mission Impossible 3, Kung Fu Hustle, and Taylor Hackford, who originally was going to be the director of this movie, um, but ended up switching over and Luis Valdez took over as the director. Uh, Taylor Hackford also produced The Devil's Advocate, Ray, and Proof of Life. Writer Mm -hmm. on this one was Luis Valdez, the director. Uh, Music for this one was by Miles Goodman, who died in 1996, and he also did the music for Little Shop of Horrors and Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, music was also done by Carlos Santana, uh, who did Desperado, Apollo 13, and Zodiac. And then all of the Richie Valens music that was done was not recordings of his. It was done by the band Los Lobos. Um, and so they did all of their Richie Valens performances that show up in the movie. Budget for this one was six and a half million. Box office was 54.2 million in the U.S., uh, starring Lou Diamond Phillips as Richie Valens. He was in Young Guns, Courage Under Fire, and the TV sh- series Longmire. Um, Essay, I'm, is it Essay or Asai? Might be Asai Morales. Uh, played Bob Morales. He was in NYPD Boo. Boo. All right. <laughs> that was the Halloween version of NYPD Blue. <laughs> I am so sad. It's been like two, what, two or three weeks since we've recorded, and I guess I'm like really tongue-tied tonight and can't talk. Yeah. Yeah. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. The rain in Spain falls mainly in the plain. Red leather, yellow leather is what I'm currently wearing. Red leather, yellow leather. Okay. All right. I think I'm good. You got this. I got this. You own it. Uh, Rosanna DeSoto. So the next time I screw up, we're just ending the podcast right there. Uh, Rosanna DeSoto played Connie Valenzuela. She was in Star Trek VI, Family Business, and Stand and Deliver. Elizabeth Pena, who died in 2014, played Rosie Morales. She was in The Incredibles, Rush Hour, and Transamerica. Danielle Von Zernick played Donna Ludwig. She was in My Science Project and Under the Boardwalk. Joe Pantoliano played Bob Keen. He was in The Goonies, The Fugitive, The Matrix, and Memento. Rick Dees um, was Ted Quillen. He was in the Flintstone Kids and the Jetsons, the movie. Marshall Crenshaw played Buddy Holly. He was in Peggy Sue Got Married. And he performed on the soundtrack for Empire Records and Superman 3. Howard Huntsbury played Jackie Wilson. His only acting credit was in this movie, but he did um, in Ghostbusters 2 at the end when they play Higher and Higher. When they had the scene where like you've got the... The uh, toaster is dancing around and they play the music and they put the slime in the toaster and it dances around. When they play it with the toaster, it's actual Jackie Wilson recording. When they play it later with the whole Statue of Liberty, getting it to walk through the city, that is Howard's Hunt- Howard Huntsbury, the Jackie Wilson impersonator, um, that recorded that version of it. So that's one of the only other movie things he's got going. Uh, Brian Setzer played Eddie Cochran. 
Uh, he was on the soundtrack for Stuart Little and The Mask. Uh, Stephen Lee, who died in 2014, played The Big Bopper. He was in War Games, Negotiator, and Burlesque. And Sam Anderson played Mr. Ludwig. He was in Perfect Strangers, Lost, and Forrest Gump. Rotten Tomatoes critics gave this a 97, I'm sorry, 96%. Audience gave it a 78%. The Variety staff from Variety Magazine said Labamba is engrossing throughout and boasts numerous fine performances. And Janet Maslin of the New York Times said, as Valens, Lou Diamond Phillips has a sweetness and a sincerity that in no way diminish the toughness of his onstage persona. The role is blandly written, but Mr. Phillips gives Valens backbone. Cinema score gave it an A. And the, one of the awards for this one won the BMI Film Music Award uh, for music for Miles Goodman and Carlos Santana. Uh, this one, Los Angeles teenager Richie Valens becomes an overnight rock and roll success in 1958 thanks to a love ballad called Donna that he wrote for his girlfriend whose parents didn't want her to date a Latino boy. But as his star rises, Valens has conflict with his jealous brother Bob and becomes haunted by a recurring nightmare of a plane crash just as he begins his first national tour alongside Buddy Holly. In 1957, Ricardo Valenzuela had his family, his talent, and a dream. Rock and roll. Come on, baby, just rock. Look at my Richie. He's shining like a star. I really dig your music, and I'd like to record it. Oh, Richie, I'm so by 17, professional Richie Valens. He was a star. I love you, Donna. You know, I'm still gonna marry you one of these days. With three hits on the charts. Holly is lining up a plane to fly us on to Fargo tonight. Hey, come on, let's go! But one tragic night in 1959, his star fell. Stop, Richie! <laughs> Columbia Pictures presents La Bamba. The legend of Richie Valens. A true story. La Bamba. All right, so not a whole lot of background on this movie. I actually couldn't find a whole lot of... Um, you know, like a lot of times there's websites that have like making of and background stuff and not a whole lot for this movie. So the only couple of things that I were able to find, I was able to find was, um, more about the history of Richie Valens and his life and kind of some of the stuff that this uh, movie was based off of the 1957 plane crash at Richie Valens junior high school. The one that they keep, you keep seeing in like the dream sequences where he keeps having a nightmare about and he refers to there was actually a plane crash above his junior high school when he was a kid, maybe maybe just a year or two. Oh, it was 57, so it was about a year or two before this movie would have taken place. Um, the wreckage actually fell on some of his best friends and killed them um, while they were in the playground at the junior high. So that's kind of what they were referencing when you kept seeing those planes uh, crashing at the beginning of the movie and then the nightmares that he would have. Um and as they mentioned in this movie, he wasn't there because he was at his grandfather's funeral. Um, but he did have, uh, let's see, I think they said, you know, they didn't give a number. Several students were killed. Uh, 74 were injured. And that was what caused him to have a fear of flying, ultimately. Uh, the only other thing I've got here for background is Richie Valens, the Big Bopper, and Buddy Holly were all killed in the plane crash on February 3rd, 1959, while on tour as part of the, um, what was it called, the winter... 
I had it written down, but for some reason it's not here anymore. The Winter Dance, I think it was called, as part of their tour that they were on. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. You mean it wasn't the Enchantment Under the Sea? It was not the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, no. <laughs> no. If it was, we could have gone back in time and prevented them from getting on the plane in the first place. And, exactly. And then Eternia would be saved and, and everything would be fine. Gwildor could make a new key and you know, Mr. Miyagi could, could keep waxing on. Thank you. I was waiting for that. You're welcome. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. All right, so let's... That's let's, what you're here for. Let's, among other things. Um, That's how we figured that out. Well, tonight I'm here for mispronouncing things and, you know, making references to things that we did back in episodes two years ago. <laughs> but that's that's kind of a love we have for each other here. All right, so let's get right on into the uh, the apparent disagreement we've got here. Uh, I've got a couple of other questions if we uh, if we run out of things to say. But um, so Pat, you was this the first time you ever watched it? First, and I I want to okay. just say so I gotta get some off my chest right away. Um, uh, S.A. Morales. They have res- they have razors for that. Yes, they do, but okay. none of them. I haven't found one that's strong enough. Okay. The um, uh, Superman uses uh, Morales, a use, Superman actually them. uses a piece from his spaceship and like a Kryptonian spaceship, and he lasers his eyes and it bounces back and it shaves. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's an option. That, would, that is an option. Um. Okay. So Valen's older brother. Yeah. Or, so it was funny seeing that guy because I'm like, man, I've seen that guy in other stuff, and I'm trying to, I'm racking my brain. And then it was like, I think it, he's been in NYPD Blue. Mm-hmm. He's been in um, Blue Bloods. And he was in okay. uh, the second season of Jericho. And, each, mm-hmm. of, oh, yeah. and each, each of those other roles is like an authoritarian, like law enforcement. Jericho, mm-hmm. he was like a military, you know, he was a major in the army. And just a very like noble, disciplined um, uh, guy. And so this was like, it was like, my gosh, is this the same guy? It was, mm-hmm. it was pretty funny. That was just kind of a. My wife is a big Isai Morales fan. Okay. How do you pronounce it? I, she pronounces it Isai. Isai, okay. Isai. Okay. Okay. Well, it's funny because he was a, he was an attorney in the Caprica show. Caprica was kind of a spinoff of the newer yep. Battlestar Galactica. And he played an attorney in that too. So I guess he's always some kind of law enforcement. Yeah, he definitely and, seems to gravitate towards those. There's another mm. show that Donna watched, and I'm gonna blank on what it is. Um, but he was he was a lawyer or something in that too. And I think he's been in a couple things with Blue Diamond Phillips since this, also. Okay. Yeah, they might be buddies or something because I think they've done a few things together. Yeah, real good actor. And like I said, the characters he plays in these shows is always they're just real put together, class act, you know, strong noble people of the ones that I've seen him in. And this was, this was kind of a, I guess that is a departure from this work, but I mean, it was, uh, that was just pretty crazy seeing him like this. That's all. Mm-hmm. You can so, continue with your questions. Yeah. So, so I, for all three of us, then I think this is the, fir- so this will be the, one of the first times in a while we've had a movie where this is the first time we've all seen it. Yes. Okay. Cause Bo, you said it was the first time you had seen it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was my first time seeing it too. I, I mean, I've seen, my wife had the soundtrack, so I've seen the CD like sitting on a shelf somewhere in our house for years. Um, and I know, and I, and knew, I know the song, knew, but I've never seen the movie. Right. I knew of the movie's existence. Mm-hmm. I knew the story. I knew the history. Yeah. I had just never seen the movie. Yeah. I remember the movie. I remember the, in the video store, the cover of yeah. it, you know, him like on stage with the guitar and all that. Mm-hmm. 
I, I remember that growing up. All right, so let's just jump right into it then. First time seeing it, Bo, before we started recording, you said didn't like it. And Pat, you came right out and said, that's a great movie. Mm-hmm. All right, so Bo, why don't we start with, you want to start with what you didn't like about it? It started off so slow. I was, <laughs> so part of it is probably when I watched it. Uh, admittedly, we've already pulled back the curtain, so I think I can say this. Yeah. Knowing we were recording both of these movies today, um, I had to plan when I was going to watch them. So the first time I saw this movie was immediately after finishing Dirty Dancing. Okay. And so that might have had might have colored my judgment a little, if only because the other movie ends on such a high. But I felt like the first half hour is so slow. And maybe it's just the character development they needed to do didn't jive with me, or or maybe. Maybe it was, I think you said some, someone criticized the writing of the Richie Valens character, but Lou Diamond Phillips one-upped it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't lock me in. The last hour, I would say, was better. Mm-hmm. But that first half hour, 40 minutes, was a tough get. And if I was the type to just give in and I didn't have to watch it for a podcast... I might not have made it to the end. Okay. That being said, I'm glad I did. Yeah. The end, like I said, the last hour was fantastic. Once he's touring and once he's doing all that. But that first little bit just didn't do it for me. Yeah. I I think I agree with that. I mean, the first little bit, I don't know if I felt it was slow. I, I mean, the first, I can see how the first little bit is weaker than maybe the next parts of the movie. I mean, I, I do think that it set up several things that were kind of important to understand about Bob and about the family dynamic and, and all of that and kind of where they're coming from and what it means for him to suddenly be thrust into celebrity and, and all the stuff that comes with that. Um, so I don't know if I had as much of a problem with the beginning of the movie, but certainly, like like you said, certainly that last hour of the movie was much stronger, and kind of I think that was holding my attention more than the first little bit had. All right, well, Pat. So what did what did you like about it? Well, so it's funny because uh, I'll I'll start off with the with with the with the possible bombshell. Like I could have used another five hours of this movie before okay. the final hour. Like, I wanted to see what was he like as a kid? Mm. How, you know, who was his dad? I mean, like, was he, was he like, was he of Mexican descent? Or, I mean, I'm not 100% sure. Because he talked in the movie like he didn't even speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, their, their, their names, they had like English sounding names. Like even his brother, his name was Bob. So I'm just like, okay, so, you know, how did, how did that all fit in? You know, he was you know, where, what's the family history? Where, where did he get involved in music? Like I had all these, these questions that I kind of wanted to see developed and uh, it didn't, it didn't turn me off from the movie, but it was almost just like, it was like going too fast. Like, wait, I got dropped in the middle of this thing. Like, where's, who is this person? Mm -hmm. And um, other than like La Bamba, the song, and I knew that he died in the plane crash. I knew nothing 
about uh, Richie Valens. Mm -hmm. And after, you know, five, six, seven minutes watching this movie, and I I get what that that, uh, movie critic was saying. I really thought Lou Diamond Phillips did a fantastic job. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the one to be critiquing someone's acting skills, but I thought he really, he really did a, a fine job with this. And, um, it, that really sucked me in. And I, I read something that some review or something that just said, you know, this movie wasn't supposed to be anything. Well, no, I'm, I'm misquoting. This movie was supposed to be about a celebration of his life and his music. That was kind of the goal of it. And so once I kind of got that in my mind, it was like, oh, okay, that's what, that's the piece of it that they were focusing on. They gave you enough to know that, you know, he kind of struggled with the fame and his older brother was jealous. Okay. He was, you know, he came from poverty and worked his way up. Okay. He dealt with some racism and he kind of overcame that. They give you just enough to advance the story about, about his music and, you know, the, the, the tragic end that, you know, he lost his life before, I mean, my gosh, we're talking about before the music could continue, but he was, he was a kid. He was 17. He didn't even get a chance to live his life. Right. Um, but this really focused on, on, you know, some, some pretty fantastic music that he was able to create, you know, before he passed. So I got a little bit, I kind of just went the other way for maybe the same reasons that, that you guys weren't too keen on the, the opening stuff. I just was like, man, I don't know. I know next to nothing about this musician, about this person. I, I just, I just want to know more. Mm-hmm. And so the only question I have now is, okay, how much of that was, you know, kind of done with the Hollywood, how much of that was given the Hollywood treatment where, you know, they, they fit these real characters into kind of cardboard cutouts or how much of that is, no, that's a pretty accurate, you know, the, what they focused on, that's kind of accurate to how he grew up. Um, that's kind of the question in my mind, you know, I, I'd like to go get a bunch of books or watch a bunch of documentaries on the thing. But, uh, yeah, so that's that was that was why I liked it so much. That and the music was fantastic. It that was just the awesome. Music was awesome. Music. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Sorry, I went a little long winded there, but I had no, to put that, that bit was, in about the music. That was perfect. Yeah, and I mean, I'll I'll admit this is not this is not necessarily my musical time period that is the one I gravitate to most. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas. When when uh, Sharon and I got married, we combined CD collections, and I, with her parents and her CD collection that he had, she had that uh, there were a lot of say there's a lot of 40s, 50s, some 60s stuff in there too. But there's a lot of some of the older rock stuff and some of the older country stuff, and it was not necessarily. I mean, I've heard some of these songs before. But I mean, and, and she had the soundtrack to this movie too. So she knew a lot of these anyway, but you know, some of those older, you know, the beginnings of rock and roll, uh, in the fifties, I'm not as familiar with. And so one of my questions that I was going to ask us tonight, and we, we don't have to start talking about that now, but I was trying to think of, okay, well, what, what artists around this time period are ones that I like and ones that I would listen to, you know, more than just like the one-off song. And so I think maybe that's one of the reasons that this, this movie was more interesting to me because it's not something that I felt like I already knew about. Like mm-hmm. I, I knew the name Richie Valens, but I didn't, I knew nothing about his life. I didn't even know he was one of the people that was on the plane crash. Mm-hmm. So I, that, and, and, that one I knew. Okay. And the you whole, know much you about know, him, but I knew he was part of this. 
Right. And well, and I knew, and I knew that the plane crash, um, you know, I, the whole Buddy Holly, you know, plane crash thing, I knew that that's what was referenced in the day the music died in the Don McLean song. Mm-hmm. So I knew that much, but I didn't know that Richie Valens was one of the people that was on gotcha. the plane and didn't know his, you know, I didn't know he only, re- I think he was only recording for like eight months. Yeah. I didn't by the time know he died. I, I knew he was young. I didn't know he was that young. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think maybe I that's, yeah, oh, Pat, I don't know that I would have asked for four more hours of this movie, but I think that's <laughs> something that kept my, it kept my attention enough that yeah. it was not somebody that I was overly familiar with to begin with. You well, know, if, if you made a movie on the, the tune, I didn't know that he wrote the tune Donna. Oh, I was oh yeah. Like, okay. Like my wife's name is Donna, so I have to know these things. Well, yeah. Well, I was going to say, is she, is she a fan of that tune? She is actually. It's a funny story. She also not a huge fan of the movie, so okay. for what that's worth. But I'm sitting here and I'm watching it, and she starts singing part of. Wasn't Donna? It was before that. He sang something. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what it was now. Mm. She starts singing it out of the blue. I looked at her and I go, "You know this song?" She's like, "Apparently, I do." Like she didn't <laughs> remember knowing the song, mm-hmm. but she yeah. could sing it word for word. It was hysterical. See, I remember, and I, again, all this stuff. I just remember listening to a whole lot of 104.3 with Dick Biondi mm-hmm. and like, yep. he, wasn't it, didn't Dick Biondi do the Friday night fifties thing? Sounds right. I mean, amidst their other, their other things, but man, yeah. Great stuff. So sorry to interject, but yeah, I had to ask no. if Donna was a fan of the tune, Donna. Oh yeah. She is a big fan. My wife's a, a big fan of the song Donna. Anything with her name in it, she likes. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I think that's what held my attention was this was not somebody. I like Lou Diamond Phillips anyway, cause we've, I've seen him in several things more recently. And yeah, you know, we, um, a show that we like to watch on Netflix is Longmire. I don't know if you guys have ever watched it or not. Uh, I've, heard, I've it's been recommended to me. Yeah. Is it kind of like a Western deal? It kind of, it's a, he's a sher- Longmire is a, Walt Longmire is a sheriff in, um, is it Montana? It's either Montana or Wyoming or a, a place that's mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, you think of as like modern day frontier mm-hmm. and, but it's set in modern day. So it's not like a Western. Um, and it's kind of, it's like a cop show. I mean, there's like, you know, different episodes, there's you know, murders that happen or there's investigations and they've got to go figure out what's going on. And I like the show. I like the show. You know, it, I don't know say it's too different from a lot of the other cop shows that you'll watch where they have to go investigate something. I mean, those are all kind of same kind of deal, but it's the, it's the supporting characters that are in the show. Um, uh, Katie Sackoff is his deputy. Okay. And so, and she's always fun. And, um, Lou Diamond Phillips is the owner. He actually plays a Native American in the show, and he's the owner of a bar called The Prancing Pony. And mm-hmm. uh, he has a, he has a way that he answers the phone every time. It's something like you know uh, you you've reached the perpetual soiree of the Prancing Pony. Like this, he has this whole spiel every time he answers the phone. And so yeah. Sharon and I have said, you know, maybe when we answer the phone, we should just start doing that because it sounds better than sounds better than our voicemails messages. Okay, um, so I hear. I've heard you talk about the show now a couple times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's that, a fun show. So it's that good. It's we like it. We like it. Yeah. 
Okay. I, it's one of those shows I've heard great things about. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch it when it first started, so I've been hesitant to jump in, but now I think I might have to look it up on Netflix and check it out. Yeah, it's, it's a fun show. You are now the third or fourth person to recommend it, so okay. I think I might have to actually uh, I do it. I've got to echo what both thoughts are exactly. You're, John, you're like the third or fourth person to recommend it, so yeah, exactly what both said. Plus one for Pam. Yeah, I think I want to say well, there's Sharon like Sharon likes it too, so let's be honest. Right. Yeah. I think there's yeah. like four seasons already, and I want to say they're at least going to do one more. And I think it's I want to say it's based off a series of books too, but I've never gone and read the books. That sounds great. I remember when it first mm-hmm. came out, uh, it sounded like something we were going to check out, and then for whatever reason we didn't. Whether okay. it's the time it was on, whether it's yeah, I don't know. But I like, I mean, and, and Lou Diamond Phillips is probably one of my favorite characters in that whole show. Um, well, he's, cool. he's kind of awesome in whatever he does. I've yeah. never really disliked his... He's, you know what? He's like, he can do bit parts. He can carry movies. He can carry shows. And I think he can do bad guy and good guy equally well. Apparently. He's very versatile. Yeah. Apparently the guy... Um, the guy who won our contest in over in England and, and we sent the cards off to him, the uh, oh, yeah. playing cards he had on Twitter. He had been talking about, he had referenced a movie that um, he thought, you know, if somebody liked evil dead, that he thought they might like this movie. It's like a really, if you, evil dead was a bad movie Yeah, that uh, people might like this one. So he was kind of mentioning it on Twitter and I happened to spot it and I was like, well, I've never heard of this movie before. And it was called demon wind. And it was just as bad as he said it was going to be. Okay. I went, I went, I I went and found it. I think it was on YouTube. I went and I found it and I watched, God bless me. I I watched the whole thing. And and it was, it was a bad, bad movie with horrible special effects and all kinds of other stuff. One of the interesting things to come out of that though, is I'm looking up this movie either on IMDB and, and you know, IMDB can't always be trusted, but I feel like it might've been in the credits, the end of the movie too. You don't know. No, it might have been IMDb because I feel like it was an uncredited thing. That apparently one of the demons in this movie, one of the just like extras that played a demon, was Lou Diamond Phillips. Oh, cool! <laughs> That's cool. awesome. There but you the, go. But the funny thing is, I think it came after this movie. I think it came after La Bamba. So it's not like he was a no-name, you know, actor trying to make his way in Hollywood. It's like he'd already done several things, and maybe this was just a favor for a friend or something. Yeah, or maybe he was passing by the set and right. someone said, hey, you want to be? Yeah, sure. You know, I mean. But yeah, no, in, in the, but back to the Longmire show, I, I really like his character in that. And it's, his character is, it's kind of the interesting dynamic of the show because it takes place, it takes place right on the edge of, you know, you've got the town uh, that they're in, but they're right on the edge of an Indian reservation. So you've got kind of the tension of, you know, if something, if something happens and the perpetrator happens to live on the reservation and they commit a crime off the reservation, then go back to the reservation, then he's got to, he's got to kind of work in conjunction with the reservation police and they don't necessarily like him. And, uh, and so Lou Diamond Phillips character is kind of this go between because he is native American and, and he runs this bar that, you know, everybody comes to. And so he's kind of the go-between and he's a lot of times he's sneaking onto the reservation when Sheriff Longmire is not allowed to. And so it's kind of a, he's got kind of an interesting, interesting dynamic in the show. Cause he's, 
kind of bridging the two different worlds that the show kind of covers. But yeah, I, cool. I can't think of anything that I've seen him in that I haven't liked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he did a bang up job in this movie. Yeah. So is there any particular part, any particular scene in the movie that kind of jumps out of you as, you know, I, this was one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. I don't know if I want to say that this is quotable. I think we could talk more about the songs than we could like quotes from the movie, but, um, we did have a friend of ours respond on Facebook, uh, with a picture that said something, something along the lines of, you know, no matter what you do, you're never going to look as awesome as Bob does in the opening scenes on his motorcycle in La Bamba. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty tough. He's pretty yeah. tough looking on that bike. Mm-hmm. So is there a scene in this movie that is, you know, you see that you're like, okay, this is when I think of this movie, I'm going to think of that scene. Go ahead, Bo. Well, I, I, that's a tough one. There's two that are standing out right now when you're asking. First blush, it's when he comes out on stage and he does La Bamba. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's huge. That's awesome. Because he's, I think, like less than 10 minutes before that, he's had the conversation with Bob about, I'm going to do this song. I'm going to do it in Spanish. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. Yeah. And then they, they had that whole thing about him being bumped up. You're going to go right after this guy. And then he just comes out there and he decides, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to do La Bamba. And there's, people, and there's people getting up and dancing in the aisles and like jumping up on stage. That's, and that's just wicked awesome. Which leads me into the other one that is probably the better choice as the scene you should remember from the movie. It's when he's at the country bar that doesn't really want to that doesn't mm-hmm. really want to let him play, but his mom talks the owner into it, and he gets up there, and his mom's freaking out. His first few chords are going, and he's saying a couple lines, and nobody's doing anything, and she's freaking out. And all of a sudden, everybody starts to dance, and she's just pleased as punch. Yeah, no kidding. Those two right there are sort of like the. And that, and that bar scene, I think that bar scene was done better. You had less long, lingering, awkward stares than the Adventures in Babysitting one. Well, yeah, yeah but yeah. that's just, yeah, Adam Norn just right. pass line. Right. <laughs> what, wait, what was my line? Apples and oranges. Yeah, that's right. Baby, the Adventures in Babysitting, the long, awkward stare with me at my television screen. That was go. kind of the... <laughs> But uh, you know what? But Bo, yeah, man, you, you said it. That scene when he gets out there with La Bamba. And um, have, I mean, I don't know. Like, I know we've grown up in like the mosh pit generation and all that, you know. And, and so this question is a little bit off. But have you ever been at like, a, like a, a concert or a performance like that where people are just like spontaneously getting up and police are having to hold them back and like dancing in the aisles and everything like that? That is it was um, the, the closest I'd ever come where something like that happened was, was, uh, was actually at a Tito Puente concert at Ravinia and uh, Tammy and I are sitting there and Holy smokes, man, he just lit it up. And who was the vocalist that was singing with him? Was it, uh, I think it was India was singing with Tito Puente. And all of a sudden, man, it just, it just went like the roof blew off the place. We were at Ravinia and there were people, da- I mean, there was like, there was mambo, there was like salsa dancing going on in the aisles. People were dancing, people. One dude got up there and started like trying to dance with India and they had to get security out to throw him. That's what happened at Ravinia. And it was just like, 
that was a cool experience when the music just fires people up. You know what I'm saying? And uh, uh, so, so you're right, man. That La Bamba scene was great. I love the bar. I love how his brother's like, dude, I'll, I'll cover the drums and on the, in the uh, bar mm. scene. And uh, the, the brother, he jumps on the drums and the first couple of hits on the drum set is a little bit off. And he gets to look on his face, you know, and he's kind of the cocky guy that, you know, he gets to look on his face like, oh, crap, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and then the, then for the rest of the tune, uh, Richie Valance has just got the thing handled and he's back there counting to himself. And I thought that was really well done because he's just like, wait, uh, wait, one, two, three, four, one, two. And then he's like, OK, I can do this. But for the whole tune, he's like counting to himself to keep on the beat. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, the only other scene I'd throw in with like the music and, and all that was uh, when he auditions for that first band. Mm-hmm. And like he goes walking up with his amplifier and the, the guy that's the band leader, the, the saxophone player, the jerk, he's just like, you know, looks like someone threw that out. And he's just like, yeah, well, that's mine now. And then he just does that and he just tears it up and the band starts playing and the guy's like all jealous, like, oh, oh, you know, and, and I thought that was a pretty cool scene, too. I would I would agree. You, you hit on something great with the drums there. That yeah. moment, that moment between brothers, where he looks back at him and just says, "Follow me." Yeah, they yeah. have. You were talking about how you wanted four more hours in the movie. That scene shows so much about how close those two guys are. Yeah, because he just says, "Follow me," and he knows he's going to be there. He might take him yeah. a second, but he'll get there. And yeah. it's funny because my brother and I, not both musicians, so. We have no experience like that. But my wife will laugh at us because we have a shorthand of communicating. Mm -hmm. We don't speak in full sentences or sometimes even full words. (laughs) Yeah. And it drives her insane. Yeah. We'll say something and the two of us know exactly what's going on and we don't have to say anymore and it's done. But it's a lot like that. It's a lot like that. You just look back, follow me. All Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah, it reminded me, it reminded me actually of the scene in Backdraft when the McCaffrey brothers are at that place. And, you know, they've been, yes. they've been fighting tooth and nail, um, you know, just absolutely fighting with each other. And then all of a sudden, the one guy insults um, Brian McCaffrey. So Stephen turns around and slugs him. And then, like, he, was, he, didn't, he wasn't even necessarily supporting his brother. And you remember that? And then, but the guy insults his brother and he just turns around and slugs him. And then mm-hmm. some guy grabs Steven and Brian doesn't even know what's going on, but he just comes tearing across the room and throws the guy off Steven. And that was like this, you know, he walks in and he's all nervous and, and Bob was there saying, Hey man, you're going to do okay. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I just wish I had a drummer. I'll play drums. I'll jump right in. And you can tell it was out of his comfort zone. And then he jumps in and then he's nervous. And there's, um, you know, Valens is like big, you know, big shot there to, to make some money and, and play out. And then he can see his brother's nervous and just, like you said, he turns back and just says, and it, I thought that was a real cool uh, uh, thing, you know, showing that, showing the, the brothers, you know, the, the family, that bond thing. And then it comes back later when they're on the phone right before the plane crash. Yeah. Where he has the whole, you're going to fly out and meet me in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. And they have this whole conversation. I need to have family around me. It just shows that whole brotherly bond again yeah yeah so yeah those were cool scenes john what about you man yeah i think about i think some of my favorite scenes are again with them as brothers as well and uh, two of them for me are when he takes him down to tijuana 
to me, like yeah. that that whole segment of him taking him down there. And and what's funny is like he, did you he's, ever take your brother to Tijuana, John? Did I ever, or would I ever? <laughs> no, I said, did you ever? <laughs> no. Uh-uh. <laughs> Are you kidding? I I wouldn't last five minutes. No, um, that's true. Brian would probably handle it better than you. Yeah, he probably would. <laughs> um. Just that whole scene, that whole thing of, you know, them walking through the, the, the city and, and, you know, they, they get to the, what do you, what do you call it? Like, it's like a prom night and, uh, you know, he gets there and there's all those girls there and you can tell Richie doesn't want to be there. And he, Mm -hmm. and, and that to me is like one of the fun things about his character is that he's just so when, when, you know, he can be a, a regular person, he can be a regular guy, you know, in, in, in some ways, I guess he can maybe be a little similar to his brother, but when he hears music, like all of a sudden a switch goes off and he's there and his brother's trying to convince him. And he's like, you know, if you don't find a girl you like, get two of them. I'm paying for it. And, (laughs) but then he hears the, he hears the Spanish folk version of La Bamba. And he's like, that's La Bamba. And he's like, it's totally switched from, you know, my brother has brought me here for this purpose. And now all of a sudden I've heard music that interests me. And I, I think I can do something with. And yeah. you see him and just like the look on his face when he goes over there and he's just standing right next to the stage playing along with him. Um, and you can, you can just see the wheels turning like he's, he wants to do something with the song. So before he gets to the point where he says, I'm going to play La Bamba, just him interacting in that part of it. And in that moment and you know, that part, I thought that part was kind of cool. And then the whole funny part later when you're, you know, he's with the, uh, with the old guy and he's, you know, skinning the rattlesnake and them, you know, they're having breakfast out there and, and uh, I think one of the other scenes I liked was a lot of the different times uh, with his mom. Mm-hmm. Like I thought his mom was hilarious. You know, she's telling everybody, "This is my son. This is my boy." You know, turn the TV up. That's my, you know, that's my son playing. And and uh, I love the scene the first time he's playing with the band, the Silhouettes, and mm-hmm. they don't let him get up and sing. And his mom and his sister are sitting in the car, and his mom is just fuming. Yeah, just furious. And I forget what it was that she said as they as he gets in the car and she drives off all angry. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just just like her whole attitude and how much she's sticking up for him. And yeah, I just I, I thought those two scenes were really good. But one of the interesting things I mentioned to Bo before we started recording was originally in one of the early drafts of this movie, the main character of the movie was going to be Bob, and it was going to be told from his point of view. Huh. Interesting. So I was trying to think in like in my own head when I read that, I was like, all right, well, how would that have changed? Would I have enjoyed the movie as much? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, I, I don't want to say, so Bo, you, would you say you did not like this movie or you just didn't like the beginning? I didn't, you know, I didn't like the beginning. Okay. So I went in with a different feel and admittedly I watched it over two days. Because okay. I didn't, uh, didn't finish it in one sitting. Yeah. Mostly so, because it was going a little slow, and I was like, "I gotta come back." Back. Yeah, yeah. So the I mean, back I, half of it got me, and I have to admit, hearing Pat and listening to you talk about different things, it's better than I thought it was. Okay. I still don't think I'm putting it on my list of movies I'm going to go rewatch. Well, and that's what I was just—I was just going to say that—is I've seen it, I enjoyed it, I think I'm okay if I never see it again. Yeah, I, I not that I didn't I, like it, but you know, I just it's right. not one of those that I don't know I would ever go back and rewatch again. I've consumed it, I've enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I don't know that it has I don't know that it has much that bears rewatching. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm I'm appreciating it more 
the more I think about it. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just too smart of a movie for me, which is entirely possible when you think about it. <laughs> oh, man, that's cool. Ah, it's true. I mean, come on. We're sitting here talking about it. All of a sudden, I like it more. That means it was too smart for me the first time around. Yeah. Well, no, I think that, I, well, I don't, I think that, I mean, I know that's happened to, I know that's happened to me on this podcast with certain movies. I think wasn't, um, I think we were talking about Evil Dead 2, and I think Jeff was saying that about Evil Dead 2. Uh, I think when we first started talking about it, he's like, nah, nah, nah. and then after in the middle of the discussion, I think it was he that said, you know what? I think I'm going to rewatch it because I think I like more, you know, I think that mm-hmm. just happens when you, for sometimes you discuss it and like it better. And heck, I think sometimes a few movies will go the other way. The more you talk about it, the more you think about it. It's just like, yeah, well, that wasn't good. That's mm-hmm. definitely true. The more you hear other people comment about things that were wrong in a movie, Things, mm-hmm. that, things that you might have missed, mm-hmm. but you hear later, you're like, oh, I'm never going to be able to unsee that now. The next time I watch the movie, the first thing I'm going to see is that problem somebody told me about Yeah, right. that I've missed all these years. You know, and, and that's one of the things why I will never, I don't think I will ever trade, even if, I know we talked about this like a year ago, maybe longer than that, um, some of the companies, some of the film companies talking about uh, instead of going to the movie theater, that you could have a box in your house that would you would be able to beam movies directly to your house the day they came out in the theaters. I don't think I would ever do that because of my reason for liking to go to the theater. I enjoy going to the theater because there are some times where I'm watching a movie and my, I don't want to say most of my enjoyment, but a lot of my enjoyment for the movie comes out of the reactions of the people that are around me in the theater. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in much oh, the same sure. way that you like, you may change your opinion after talking about this, you know, while we're sitting here talking about this, I think for me, I might like a movie better if I go see it in the theater and the people, the other people in the theater are laughing and they're cheering and they're, all that stuff. I think those may be the movies that are more memorable for me are ones that I saw in the theater to begin with. I think comedy movies for sure lend themselves to that group yeah. experience. Um, and then, um, I don't want to say cult classics because that's the wrong term. Mm-hmm. Because I will say, and I, I, I will fully recognize that it is not one of the best movies ever, and it's not even necessarily a really great movie, but I will say being there on opening night to see The Phantom Menace, oh sure, much better experience than I think if I had just gone and rented the DVD and watched it. Oh, yeah, that was a thing. I mean, the first yeah. time the lightsaber snapped his hit, that yeah. crowd went nuts. Yeah. Because did we? Yeah. I think we saw that one together, didn't we? I think so. It went with a whole bunch of people to the, the midnight showing at the, yeah. the big Lincolnshire Theater. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, that was a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we hadn't had Star Wars in how many years? And, right. Oh, man. But, I mean, I think, I think yeah. talking about it, I think being around other people, it can definitely change your, change your opinion on the movie. Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, think about the. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to picture the movie in my head, but you know the big. Uh, it'll come to me in a minute, but anytime there's a movie that's got a reveal in it, and everyone just starts clapping, mm-hmm. you're like, "All right, I'm glad I'm here. I'm yeah. glad I'm experiencing this here." Well, it was most recently it was Wonder Woman. Yes. Because mm-hmm. we were sitting in Wonder Woman, and the first time she climbs out of that trench, 
and she's got uh-huh. the full Wonder Woman gear on. People in the theater were just, I mean, people were like standing up and clapping and they're just, you know, people were going nuts. And, and that's the, that's one of the reasons I like to go see a movie during its opening week at a movie theater, because you because don't, you won't get that experience. That you can't duplicate. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else we want to say about La Bamba? Other than the fact that I think you guys brought me around on it. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Again, I don't know that I'm going to see it again, but I definitely have a better feeling about the movie than I did two hours ago. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I, you know, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll watch this thing again. I mean, I think I'll, I'll probably want to watch it with someone say, Hey, check this thing out and everything. The other thing I really want to do is, and, and Bo, did I hear you right that you said when you were kind of at the halfway point, you did some fact checking on it? Um, I think John mentioned that a little bit. Yeah. See, I would really like to do that. I mean, I always get curious with these things and just see, you know, was the portrayal of, of, uh, Richie Valens, was that accurate? Was he, you know, as single focused on his music and so on and so forth as it's depicted in the movie. And I mean, he really sidestepped a lot of the, uh, the drugs and the heavy drinking and all that. Was that accurate as well? And the ladies. Um, and the ladies and all that ladies. kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious about that. Was, <laughs> was, was his mother as much of a, um, uh, a driving force there, you know, as, as it was depicted, you know, I really, I'm just, I, I mean, and if so, that's very cool. And I'm, I'm glad the movie did it justice. The other thing is, is I would love to just, you know, well, and I guess it's kind of, you know, you see the end result, but I mean, man, my gosh, that guy could really, um, adapt well to situations, you know, like you mm-hmm. said, you know, he got in that situation. Okay. I got a song for this okay, well, I can play this tune. Well, I can jump in on this tune. And that's, I mean, you know, you talk to any of those guys that play in, in any kind of a bar band or a wedding band or any kind of a working musician that plays in a band and they can, my gosh, they can play stuff. You, you know, they can place any tune in any key. And if they don't know that tune, they have six more that can like match it. They can jump in, they can play by ear. And, um, it was it's it quite was, impressive. It's Im- unbelievably impressive. It's one of those things that, you know, it would be very condescending for me just to say, Oh, I wish I could do that. Cause I mean, that just takes hours upon hours upon hours of practice and hard work, but boy, they, they showed him off as, as that, you know, and at 17, Holy cow. I mean, at 17, if that was even half of what, what he could do. I mean, yeah, I thought it was just a very cool, a, a, a testament to, to uh, his music and, and what a, what a loss. I mean, obviously on the human level for his family, but you know, on the, on the wide level, it's, it's just sad that, you know, we, we just need people that bring, bring happiness and joy and music into this world. And it's unfortunate that, you know, that he, that he only got as far as he did, but you know, it's, it's cool that we still have some uh, that we got to, he- to hear some of his music, you know, before he, before he left this earth. So I will say there were a couple things that I, I did not get to mention earlier. I forgot, I forgot to mention earlier. And then one other thing I wanted to say about the movie, you mentioned about his family. Um, this movie actually has special meaning for his family, which I, if nothing else, even if it wasn't a successful movie and it was successful at the time, um, the, the family actually was pretty heavily involved in this movie. 
Um, and his mother, during one of the first scenes where they have a, a party together as a family, um, mm-hmm. she's one of the older women uh, sitting on a couch, I think, in one of the scenes. And I get his real mother, it was Richie Valens' real mother, um, she was an extra in one of the family scenes. And I guess she died just a few months after this movie came out. Um, so she was in it, his younger sister, um, like his family would come to the set and they would watch this movie being filmed. And I guess they just got so wrapped up in it. They started calling Lou Diamond Phillips, Richie, and Mm -hmm. it came to the scene where he was going to do the the coin flip to see who was going to get on the plane. And I guess like off to the side of the, while they were filming this, his, uh, Richie Valens, real sister was off to the side watching this, just like sobbing and saying, just don't, don't get on that plane. Don't get on that plane. Like they were reliving all of this. But then when it was all done, the family said, you know what, if nothing else, what we appreciate about, about this movie is it's given us closure. Like we actually feel like, even though it's fiction, even though it's a movie, we feel like we got to see the final days of Richie's life. And, you know, we did, you know, he died in a plane crash and he was 17, 18 years old. I mean, we, we didn't really get any closure, but this movie feels like it gave us some closure. So I'm thinking even if this movie was a total flop, at least it did that for the family. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, so I think we've, I think we've all decided that, you know, this was our first viewing of it, that we enjoyed the movie. Uh, we enjoyed it even more, I think after talking about it. Um, so definitely, uh, definitely go check it out. Um, Oh, the last thing I want to say about it, and it's just more of a comment, and I, if you guys feel free to respond to this or not, um, one thing I thought was kind of interesting about it was that it's a movie with a you know predominantly minority cast in the mid '80s, and that it did so well. And I think that was something that was kind of surprising to me was that you have, you know, I, and I didn't know that the real Richie Valens was Latino. You know, I. I didn't know that. I didn't know his history at all. And I think, you know, not to say that at the, in the middle of the eighties, you can't have a movie where you've got minority actors as, as the lead and and not have it do well. But I just thought it was kind of interesting that it did very, it did very well for the time and that it really wasn't, I mean, Lou Diamond Phillips is not a big name actor. Um, you know, S.A. Morales was not a big actor. You know, these people were not necessarily big name actors, but the movie still did really well. And so I don't know if that goes to the performances. I don't know if it goes to the writing. You know, some of the critics talked about how the writing might have been a little weak, but um, you know, that that to me was just kind of interesting that I thought that it, it did so well during a time when you really didn't have a whole lot of minority driven movies. Yeah. Mm. And it money wise it did well, critics loved it. Yeah. I mean certainly a poster child for success yeah all right so if you want some good music yeah. you can also go get the soundtrack to this one too um fantastic yeah soundtrack but uh yeah so if you want some good music if you want to you want to watch a good music movie then uh, go check out la bamba um in the meantime we uh our next episode is going to be uh, dirty dancing and don't worry we're not going to switch this over to a video podcast we're not going to do any dancing at all um i, w- I was trying to think of <laughs> no of- one wants to see that well, I was going to try to do one of the jumps and have one of you guys catch me. <laughs> Good luck. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, head. Okay, I'm going to stop singing there. Okay. Um, <laughs> so next week we will be doing Dirty Dancing. We, well, I mean, we'll talk about the movie. We won't actually be doing any dancing, but 
Um, and then further on in the month of July, we're going to be taking a look at our reviews of the worst of 1987 movies. Uh, and then our review of Star Trek The Next Generation, the TV series, which started in 1987. And I'll go ahead and throw Ooh. this out here so that you guys can start thinking about it. And if anybody listening has some that they'd like to suggest, I did start sitting down the other day and realized that it's usually around about this time because it's summertime and I've got a little bit more time on my hands to do stuff like this. I started to plan out the movies for next year. And there's a lot of fun movies for next year. So you guys can start thinking about this now. Um, I mean, it's there's some good stuff. Good stuff for next year. So, um, I, in fact, you know what? Allow me to read off a couple of the 1988 movies just so you kind of get a, get a taste of what we got going on here. We've got Die Hard. Woo! There we go. Willow. Dude! Yes! Uh, we have uh, Akira, the animated movie. Oh, nice. Uh, we have Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. We have fantastic. We have big. We have the great outdoors coming to America. Oh man! <laughs> Good uh, morning, my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Mm, yeah, I'm not going to say it, but uh-huh. um, you podcast. too. Yeah. Um, we have Naked Gun, Beetlejuice. Uh, oh, oh man! Uh, twins. <laughs> We've got Scrooged. We've got yes. Uh, Best Christmas movie ever. Ernest Saves Christmas. Ernest Saves Christmas. Mm-hmm. Might have to bring my wife in as a special guest host on that one. There we go. We can make. We'll do that right around the same time we do Scrooged. Perfect. There we go. That'll be. That's a good one. We've got uh, Rain Man. We've got Heather's Cocktail. Heather's is another one my wife might want to join on. Okay. We've got. Uh, that might be her favorite movie of all time. I'm oh, is it really? Sure. Okay. She can do the whole movie. Like I am not even joking, word for word. She can, she can quote that one like you and I quote Star Wars? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, we got Mystic Pizza, Eight Men Out, uh, Stand and Deliver. Uh, wow. We have, oh, and it, yeah, see, here's where you get into some of my favorites. Uh, we got a good year. Yeah, we do. And then you get into like the horror movies. We've got They Live. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the first Child's Play movie. <laughs> we have the 1988 version of the blob. Oh, uh, we have pumpkin head. We've got wow. Re- return of the living dead Two. We've got killer clowns from outer space. Uh, we have the, the movie, uh, Michael Jackson's moonwalker. Nice. Used to watch that all the time. Uh, we've got what else? That might be all I have on here for now. I've got a whole bunch of others on here too, but those are kind of the highlights. That's a solid year coming up. But we got forward? some, we, we got I'm some excited. good stuff. Young guns. We got young guns, red heat. Oh my God. Alienation. I, I like, I like so alienation. Excited. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm throwing that out there for, for you guys and anybody else who's listening. If they've got some other suggestions, I'm, I'm starting to throw together a list of our possible movies for next year. So if anybody's got a 1988 movie, that they would like us to cover for next year, uh, let us know and we will throw it into our list and then we'll sort them out. We'll see how many Wednesdays we've got per month and we'll, we'll sort out, uh, all of our themes and for each month and, and get that all worked out. And then we'll throw the schedule out there and let people see what's going on. That list is fantastic. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Now it's no 1989, which I know Pat's really excited oh, about, but oh, I am too. We got a couple more years to go for that one. 
But you know why I think, and feel free to tell me I'm full of it, but you know why I think as we get into 88, 89, and 90, things are going to take off for us? Mm-hmm. Um, is I think these are movies that now we were older and we saw mm-hmm. when they first came out. Like, mm-hmm. admittedly, you know, I was six years old when La Bamba came out. I did right. not see it when it first came out, obviously. Right. But none of these movies did I see when they first came out. I saw them on TV or I saw them on a VHS rental. We're starting to talk about movies that we were eight and nine and, and in our, for lack of a better term, formative years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to start there's going to be some coming up that are going to be, you know, this is our childhood. Now we're starting to talk about Yeah. some of these movies we've talked about up till now have been our movies. Our movies, our parents showed us. Right. And we're, we're, we're starting to move into movies that, that like we would have chose. Right. We've movies. We chose to go see. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to, that's going to be, that's going to be cool. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, the more I look at some of these lists, um, because I did one of those lists a little while ago on Twitter where somebody was like, okay, pick one movie from each year that you like. And I was like, well, that's just a cruel, cruel joke. Um, yeah, that's evil. Mm-hmm. And then, because I remember making comments at the time, like in high school, I remember thinking, you know what, man, this, this was a horrible year for movies. There are no good movies that came out this year. And now looking back on it about 20 years later, I, I look at a list of movies that came out in like 95, 96, 97. And I'm like, Oh, there are so many good movies that year. So I think maybe mm-hmm. at the time I just didn't appreciate like this was a good movie. And then maybe I saw it later. I was like, well, no, actually 15 year old me wouldn't have liked this movie, but you know, 30, 35 year old me likes this movie. Well, yeah, you got to remember high school us knew everything. Right. We all still do. We were wrong. No, some of us never let go of that. Uh, that's true. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine dealing with high school you right now? No, because I'm currently dealing with 10-year-old me. Uh-oh. And I'm having a hard enough time with that. <laughs> yeah, not having kids gives me an interesting perspective on that because mm-hmm. I deal with high school kids on a regular basis. So, we're, you know, you guys deal with middle school kids. So you have a different age group. But for me, it's like, oh, my God, I was such a dip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, I, yeah, I brought back some, uh, a box of videotapes that were in, uh, some boxes that had belonged to my mom and dad and it has old family moves on it. Oh no. Yeah. I'm, I'm a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean like nine, 10 year old me is not, he's not as cool as I think he once was. Yeah. I mean, I mean, somehow he, I mean, he was, he was cool in 1990 and I don't know, something happened between then and 2017. (laughs) He's not a cool guy anymore. He's really kind of obnoxious and, 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 uh, 2017 me kind of wants to edit him out of every video that he's in. I see. Yeah. So, but that'll be fun when I get to digitize those, I can choose whether or not I want to edit every piece of myself out of those videos because it's really obnoxious. Yeah, that digitizing the old home videos thing. I still have stuff mm-hmm. in my office that mm-hmm. I keep saying. I'm going to get to that someday. Yeah. Yeah, I've never done that. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our La Bamba show. So feel free to join us back here next week for Dirty Dancing. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to reach us, uh, 30podcast, and any one of these, when I say 30podcast, I'm talking 30podcast, 
uh, at gmail.com, 30podcast.com, at 30podcast on Twitter. We're 30podcast on Facebook. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are on Stitcher, Satchel, Google Play, iTunes. Listen to us directly from the website. Um, but that's how you can get in touch with us. And uh, if you've got any other comments or if we are totally wrong about something or if you've got a suggestion for a movie that you think we should be watching or something we should be covering, let us know. Um, we would love it if you would give us a review on iTunes. If you're listening and enjoying the show, let us know what you like about it. And we will try to do more of that. Um, but otherwise, in the meantime, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. Go watch La Bamba. Listen to the soundtrack. Dance around a little bit. Um, but in the meantime, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. And we will see you back here next week for Dirty Dancing. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>